You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Marcus White. I'm the Professor of Urban Design at uh, Swinburne University um, and uh, I, I lead the uh, Spatio-Temporal Research um, and uh, Architecture and Urban Design Laboratory. And this is Julie. I'll let you introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Julie Bernhardt and I'm from the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. Uh, and I hit up the stroke theme there and we do all kinds of different kinds of brain-related research as well as have a very deep interest in redesigning rehab environments for people with brain injury. And that brings us together, doesn't it, Marcus? It does. And I think it's probably a good time as people have arrived to we could do a bit of a welcome welcome to country if you since you, i'm not indigenous i can't welcome can't to country welcome but i can to, acknowledge but you can do an acknowledgement sorry Mark. absolutely i can acknowledge uh country which i would love to do um i really want to uh, acknowledge that we are in this beautiful land and this beautiful space and this is the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nation and I do uh, acknowledge that they have never ceded these lands and maintain a very strong connection to country. And I want to acknowledge that and pay my respects to them. So over to you, Marcus. Okay. Um, so we're, I guess, showing some... Uh, we've got some VR experiences that we've been working on that relate to this collaboration um, between architects and um, you know health research researchers, um, and and I guess it's I mean there's uh, there's a few different scenarios that we've got in the VR, um, and and I guess it's probably good to give a bit of context because um, it's not probably the I mean there's some super exciting VR experiences and roller coasters and special effects and games. Um, we're not really trying to have ultra realistic. Um, or action-packed um, experiences in the virtual reality. We're really focused on, uh, I guess, what we can use the virtual reality to um, uh, elicit responses from people uh, as part of a kind of improvement of the design process. Um, and so I guess in terms of, I mean, as an architect, uh, I've been working in virtual reality for 25 years. Um, and, and I guess in terms of virtual virtual reality, it's not necessarily, um, you know, with the headsets and the, uh, you know, VR, Oculus Rifts and so on. Um, architects have been working in virtual reality for at least probably five centuries. Um, no, it'll be more. Be, it's thousands of years. The, the, they've been doing architectural physical models. They've been doing drawings 2D and 3D for a very long time. Um, you know, the, the kind of steps that have happened over the the centuries um and we were talking about this today in in our studio of um uh was a, a, the understanding of perspective and understanding light um and how that was a big sort of bang for architecture um and, and i guess before that if you have a look at some medieval drawings of architecture um perspective is all pretty weird drawings were um, based on you know, the scale of the object or person was about how important it was, not about an actual understanding of the physical space that it was trying to represent. 
Um, and through the Renaissance, um, people like, uh, I guess there was, I mean, there was a stack, but there was uh, a documentation of perspective and there was the wonderful perspective drawing machines of Dura. Um, a lot of um, development in technology, you know, drawing technology happened um, that influenced people like Michelangelo, who then used the perspective as part of their compositional um, design approach to change the way they designed. And so if you look at cities through the Renaissance period, you started to get things like long axial boulevards, which emphasised perspective because of their understanding of space that was extended by that kind of drawing technology. Through the Baroque, you started to have... Um, you'd have your perspective drawings that would uh, start to emphasise the perspective, but then they would start to mess with perspective. So you'd have, um, you know, counter perspective and, and perspective. I mean, we call them gags, but they're, you know, design approaches that are modified by the technology and what's possible. Um, and so with the, the VR, um, you know, we, we've gone from 2D drawings and, you know, architects were very good at imagining what that space is like um, through a plan and a section. Uh, and gone to 3D digital modelling, um, which, you know, has been around since the late 60s, um, where you start to spatialise, you know, the drawing, uh, become a th 3D drawing. Um, and I guess in the last sort of 20 years, uh, we've started to get material qualities and light into these 3D models. So you can start to work out, you know, where are the shadows going to land at different times of day, um, we're starting to look at, uh, you know, environmental impacts within the 3D modelling. Um, and also, uh, I guess one of the benefits, and, you know, as an architect, I can look at plans and sections and imagine the space pretty accurately now that I've been doing it for a quarter of a century. Um, but if you've got a client that's new to architecture, that jump is very difficult. Or when we're teaching architecture students in the undergrad particularly, um, it's pretty hard to gauge the sort of spaces that they're designing without getting into that 3D model. And we've found um, particularly scale is difficult to understand. Um, and we've found that by having uh, 3D digital models with um, sort of 3D people within the models uh, and getting the students to experience that space in VR, or, and we've done you know, just 360 renders, um, but also, you know, more recently getting into 3D kind of game game environments where they can move through the environment. Um, there's a very quick uptake of, you know, understanding of scale um, and they start to engage, they change the way they design based on, again, that technology. And so this project is kind of building on some of these developments that have happened in the past. And, and exploring it in a in a health context, and particularly in the stroke rehab uh, area. And I'm going to be hand over. Yeah. So our interest as neuroscience people and people who work in health in using VR is that when you think of a hospital environment where people are in, when they're having their care, we actually spend a lot of our time studying care. So we'll study an intervention of some kind. We'll study whether or not you take this pill in this space, whether you do this exercise in this space, does this help? But we often don't think about the environment as an enabler of health and well-being. And that concept of bringing together uh, health and 
um, the design of buildings is actually a new-ish concept in the sense of studying it. And when you start to study it, so what is the impact of the built environment on brain recovery, for example? It is a really, really complex space. So we're used to doing research where we try and bring everything down into measurables and the built environment and how people interact with that is actually a really difficult thing to bring down to measurables. Uh, and so one of the things that we've been exploring and uh, with the team here and Michelle Shannon is uh, finishing her PhD and you'll experience one of her um, projects that Chen Yi has been assisting with de developing and Marcus will tell you more about how they were created in a minute, is uh, that we're using virtual reality to help try to break down some of the essential components that we think might be at play in how people respond to the environment and then working with people who've had brain injury to see how they perceive those. So it gives us a tool to be able to uh, try and look at specific components that we think are important in changing how people feel and how ch changing people, uh, how people might recover. And it, it is quite a powerful tool for us so long as people feel that it's real. And so long as we get the components right that we're addressing. So this sort of early work is part of uh, a bigger project that's called Novel Design. And that project is uh, to create, which we've just started, a, a living lab around health redesign. And that is uh, to start think about the rehab environments that we have at the moment, which have not changed much in about 30 years. And many of them are not specifically purpose-built with the intent of trying to uh, support recovery uh, the way that rehabilitation is supposed to happen. Uh, so because of that, we have decided to ask people to get engaged and to think about blowing our current models up and starting again. And we'll be using the virtual reality as a tool as we start to explore the idea of really blue sky thinking, uh, what is it that we would like to see and what does the evidence tell you, tell us we need to have to help support brain um, injury recovery. So that's sort of why we're going to be doing it and it's been a really interesting journey to work out how to use this technology well, to see how stroke patients engage with the technology and um, Michelle's been having good success with those um, participants in, in getting into that space. And uh, so we're pretty excited about where we think it can go. And we're going to... Marcus can tell you a bit more about how the two experiences have been created um, because they're quite different. One very experimental in its model um, and really tightly controlled because we're trying to look at specific factors that might be at play, and one that's a bit more uh, free and uh, gives you a, a, a fuller sense of, of what hospitals might look like. Yeah, so um, we've got a couple of different headsets and we'll stop talking in a bit and let you have a go. Um, so there's uh, a couple of different scenarios that are set up and, and with Michelle's research, um, she's looking at a... a one particular room in the hospital where you are spending a lot of time. So as a stroke rehab facility, um, my understanding is you spend a fair bit of time in your room um, and the quality of the room is something that 
subtle changes can make a big difference because you're there for, I mean, up, they can be, you can be there for months, um, which is, I mean, I've spent a few days in hospital. The idea of months is horrifying. Um, and so things like, um, you know, is, is there a window that you can see out of? What, what, what sort of view do you get from the window? That's a really important, well, for some people is really important. Um, how big is the room? And I guess, you know, architects, we're, we're often limited by, I mean, you know, budget is one of the big concerns and you can have big ideas, but, um, and, and architects, of course, we always say, well, have a really big window. Um, that adds a lot of cost. So to be able to justify why you need that big window when you've got the quantitative surveyor saying, no, you can't have a big window there, or you can't have an extra metre of room space because... You know, it's that's adding ten square meters to this room that increases the cost of the overall building by whatever lots. Um, if we can have quantifiable responses from uh, post-stroke, you know, re rehab uh, patients, understand how much difference it might make to their feeling um, and their potential recovery time, um, and that's one of the critical is if. If we can decrease the recovery time and get people out of those um, facilities more quickly, that's a whole heap of money that's saved. So that, you know, if you look at the, you know, we talk about life cycle costing of building and sort of environmental cycles, but the costing of getting patients out more quickly is sort of rarely understood very well. And it's because it's super hard to understand. Um, but I think hopefully this can sort of start to um, expose some of those things. And so in, our, in that model, we've got some, you know, they're not, um, as an architect, they're not super exciting changes to the design. It's not um, quite as fruity as I'd be interested in, but... Subtle. They're, they're supposed to be subtle. They're very subtle. Um, and so there's... And you, you'll... Well, you won't, I won't give away the ending, but... You'll notice, or you might not notice, but there's there's subtle changes to things like the size and the you know the sort of spaces, um, numbers of beds and things like that that are kind of critical um, changes that are often talked about in terms of money value, um, but never I guess really understood in terms of the the impact that it has on the quality of the stay for the patients. So that's one of the scenarios. Another one is um, it's a it's a 360 video, so quite a lot easier to produce really in that we set up a 360 camera which is basically two fisheye 185 degree lenses facing each different direction. You can buy them from Taobao for 300 bucks or less um, but they, they record video in 360 a bit like um, your Google Street View um, and so we did a little bit of a tour through a hospital in Bendigo where we tried to capture a couple of different experiences. One was sort of as a patient sitting on the bed. Um, one was as a, a nurse sitting at a nurse's station and what, what do they see? How might that impact their, you know, mood? Um, we do it a little tour of the facility based on a... Um, uh, I think we were pretending that we were interns being uh, welcomed to the hospital for the first time. So we get a little bit of a tour of the facility. Um, and then, no pressure to any, but there's another scenario that we might get to if it's up and running, which is, I guess, thinking about, I mean, you know, we, we think about the hospital building, 
but outside the hospital and how you get there and, and you know, how family members get to and from and whether there's nice spaces outside of the building is also an interest. So if that's up and running, we'll, we'll have that one as well. Um, so I think that's probably yep. about it. So that'd be great. So the... Um uh, although the wind is playing havoc with our little uh, lines, these are like a visual analogue scale uh, on these ones on the ground. So I'm going to be standing near one. And we're really interested in your sense uh, as participants in this about whether it feels real for you. So in one of the experiences, you'll also have a, a sound on. So you'll be hearing sounds from the hospital that have been... Um, carefully developed, including some people coming in and out of the space. Um, the people part is really difficult when you're doing the modelling um, and they're, you know, they're not realistic. There's always a bit of a challenge, the uncanny valley uh, issue where if you tr sometimes try and then they just feel so weird that you freak out. So we've not done that. We've tried to make them like you understand they're a person but they don't have the details of the person. Uh, but we're really interested, once you've finished your experience, in two things. Uh, one, how real do they feel to you? So, you know, do you feel like they've been an immersive experience that you've been able to get into? And then the other is um, if you have any words about what you, as consumers, because we all are consumers of healthcare, uh, would like to see in modern hospital design, then we're happy for that too. So I think that's, we're ready. And you can ask questions as you, come, as you go along. So come and, come and try stuff. You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.